0: The God of angel armies is by my side. That's, that's pretty good stuff. I don't know about you, but I don't know how you react. But two weeks ago I was we had service here and I was I was here. Uh enjoyed that. Then we had a Wednesday night that was snowed out. Then we had a Sunday night Sunday where we Ron and I couldn't be here. This past Wednesday snowed out so for this preacher right here i am glad to be here obviously it is unbelievable i don't know how i don't know how people miss three four or five sundays in a row i mean I, it's just hard hard for me not to not to be here every sunday this is god's house this is where we come to worship him jim french lead us please before we start Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jim. We'll be in Ephesians six if you would like to turn there. Uh, the title of the lesson is put it on and leave it on. Today we're going to look at the armor of God is what we're going to be looking at. A couple of weeks ago we looked at this idea of spiritual warfare. Uh, this warfare that pits good versus evil, light versus darkness, life versus death, right versus wrong. And believe it or not, if you have been born again, you are in a spiritual warfare. The enemy wants to bring you down, wants to destroy your life, wants to kill your joy. He wants to take you to a spot where that you are no longer wanting even to be a a Christian. And we are in this battle if you have been truly born again. Just to to go back just real quickly on a couple of things that we talked about two weeks ago in order to set the tone for today's message. Uh, uh, We talked about in verse 10. We talked about last time in verse 10 that we are to be strong in the Lord. Strong in the Lord. When we are living this Christian life, we live it not in our own strength. We don't live it in our own ability. We can't be tough enough. We are to be strong in the Lord. And we talked about what did that mean, to be strong in the Lord. Well, we mentioned John 15 where it says we must abide in Christ. We must be abiding in Christ. And we talked about we talked about that. How do we abide in Christ? How does that happen as, as born-again believers? Uh, we we are obedient to Christ's teachings and His example. I mean, we want to do what God and Christ has told us to do. It is a life that runs away from sin. It is a life that says, I acknowledge the presence of holy God in my life, and I want to live a life that is so pleasing to Him. And then we also talked about abiding in Christ was to persevere in the faith. When things go good, we persevere. When things don't go so good, we persevere. And he said, In order to, for us to be strong in the Lord, we must abide in the Lord. Uh, we talked about John, in John 15, J- Jesus says, Apart from me, you can do nothing. So we have this spiritual battle that, that the enemy wants to bring upon us. And in order to defeat him, he said, We got to be strong in the Lord. We got to abide in Christ. Because without being in Christ, Without abiding in Christ, the Bible says, Jesus says that you can do nothing. In verse 11, we see there just real quickly, it says, put on a full armor of God, and we're going to do that today, so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. The devil has a game plan for you. The devil has a plan that he wants to destroy your life. To make your life miserable. And we talked about a couple of things here about, of of how he wanted to do that. How was he going to, to disrupt your life? And we mentioned the first thing that that we he'll come to you and say, Did God really say? Did God really say? And we talked about in Genesis with Adam and Eve. Did God really say that? Did he really say that? Or did did you just hear part of that? And he wants to put that doubt into your mind that, that maybe God really didn't want to say that. He didn't mean that when he said it. Or sometimes he'll come up to you and say, you know, he'll put doubt in your mind and say, Are you really, have you really been born again? Are you really a Christian? If God loves you so much like you say he does, then obviously he wouldn't put you through this trial, this struggle, this temptation. He must not love you, which means you must not be born again. And he wants to put that doubt into your mind. And then we also talked about, he'll also give you an alternative To obedience, he'll give you a compromise. He'll give you something that says, "You know, this. this, I think God would be approved with this. I think He'll be okay with what you're going to do." It's not total obedience to His word, but it's it's partial. And what we find out is, partial obedience is total disobedience, according to God's word. So we we can stand strong in the Lord. We understand where the devil is coming from, okay? We know his his game plan, and that's what his game plan is, to steal, kill, and destroy. And in verse 12, we see something else. In verse 12, it says, For we struggle not against flesh and blood. Okay, that's an interesting line there. For we struggle not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of the darkness, Against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. For we struggle not against flesh and blood. When King David was just a wee little lad, we, you know the story of King David. You know that, that Goliath, this huge giant, had been adding an insult and throwing taunts at, at, at the Israeli army. Uh, At David himself he'd been taunting God and 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 this giant here this giant stood and you know the story of of David and this nine-foot giant there and this this little boy comes up and says I will I will take on the giant well there's no way that David could ever defeat that giant there's no way you know little boy couldn't even put on any armor nothing like that nine foot But David wasn't worried about how big the giant was. You see, David said, I come to you, Goliath, in the name of the Lord. You come with swords and spears and javelins. And I come by the name of the Lord with the power of all God Almighty, whose army is standing with me. You see, David knew that physically he could not defeat this, this big enemy there. But he said he didn't have to because he knew that the battle was the Lord's. You see, David wasn't fighting against a nine-foot giant, which is the flesh and blood. He was fighting against a spiritual warfare, if you would. And all he did is said, I'm coming in the name of the Lord. That don't get any better than that. And when we struggle with life many times in our lives and we see a physical problem, almost every physical problem will have a spiritual solution, I'm telling you right now. It'll have a spiritual solution. When you take it to the Lord and you give it to the Lord, Let his, the battle is his, the Bible says, and not yours. Let him and the God of the armies of the angels come and deal with your whatever your issue is. And then here real quickly in, in verse 12, as we keep moving on, I wanted you to see something. He says, we're not struggling with flesh and blood. Okay, that, that's just physical stuff. That's the, the Goliath of this world. But But Paul says, look what he says. He says, we're against battle against rulers against powers against world forces and spiritual forces of wickedness what's he talking about there well the commentator the the great preacher uh jay vernon mcgee uh, as i was studying for this and listening and and going over what he said he tells me and tells us who those folks are who are the rulers who are the powers who are the Forces of darkness and the forces of wickedness. And and I don't know if he's correct, but it it sounds pretty good because what we will find is Satan and his demons has a very organized army to steal, kill, and destroy you. And what J. Vernon McGee says, he says this is how they are organized. He said, We battle against rulers. The first one there is the rulers, and, and he will say that those rulers are, are those demons that Satan has put in charge of all the nations of the world. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I mean, if you look around all the evilness and the wickedness and the brokenness of many of those countries in the world, he would say that there are Satan and his demons that he has put in charge of every country in this world. Those are the rulers. Then he would say something about the powers. He says those are the demons that are that are going around right now trying to ruin your life. Trying to do those things, to steal, kill, and destroy, to take away your joy, and take away your testimony, and all that kind of stuff. So he says he has a group designed just for you in order to take away that from you. Those are the powers of this world. He says the, the forces of this darkness, or he says those are the demons that are going around Producing evil all around us. Producing evil all around us. Those folks are in charge of that, those demons. And then he says, the spiritual force of the weakness, those demons are in charge of religions. Religions, isn't that? There's demons in charge of religions? Yeah. Look around the world what we've got, what kind of religions that we have. There's only one religion that talks about a relationship there's only one religion if you would whose leader is not in a grave you see you see we have religion all over this world and most of the world will say religion is good christianity says it's not religion it's relationship with jesus christ We are being bombarded today in America, are we not? We have denominations that are pulling away from the gospel or tearing pages out of the Bible, okay, because it doesn't fit in our society. That is a demonic force that is dealing with different denominations. We have pastors that, that now refuse to preach the Bible, We have pastors that all they want to do is preach about making you feel good because you see, when you talk about sin and you talk about hell, people don't like that and people won't come back to your church if you do that, they say. So they just leave those kind of items out. They don't want to speak about the cross anymore. Where's that coming from? That is coming from demonic forces that, that a pastor has to deal with when he decides what is he going to be preaching over this Sunday. You see, Satan Satan doesn't mind you to be religious. He didn't care if you're religious. You can be as religious as you want to be. But he doesn't want you to have your relationship with Jesus Christ, which makes all the difference in the world. We are under spiritual warfare. In verse 13, let's move on quickly. Then he says, um, and here's where the message is supposed to go. (laughs) Therefore, take up the full armor of God, so that you may be able to resist in the evil day, having done everything to withstand firm. Take up the full armor of God. Why? So that you'll be able to resist in the evil day. I wonder what that evil day is. That evil day could be today if Satan chooses to attack you. It could be tomorrow when he kind of when he kind of lathers up a little bit more and he wants to come after you a little bit more and kind of hurt your testimony a little bit more. It could be tomorrow, or it could be that day when he, when he really decides to launch a, an attack against you, either physically or spiritually. And we can read about those in the Bible. You look at the attack that Job experienced because God allowed that to happen. You read the New Testament where, where Peter, where, where Satan said, I, I want to sift Peter. I want to see if Peter really believes what he's preaching. You see, there's going to come a day, if you've been born again, that the enemy will attack you. He said, I want you to be able to stand firm. And if you look at stand firm, he talks about standing firm in verse 11 in verse 13 and verse 14. He says, Christians, I want you to stand firm when spiritual warfare comes your way. You know, but i got good news for you. When Knowing that, that spiritual temptation is coming, when the enemy is going to be coming after you, if you are truly living the Christian faith, uh, I've got good news for you. First John 4, 4 says, Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Paul will say, Be strong in the Lord. Resist. Stand firm. Put on the full armor of God. James 4, 7 says this, Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That's pretty good advice. What you've got to understand is if you are really trying to live the Christian life, that you have an enemy that wants to destroy you. You've got to understand that. Verse 13, Put on the full armor of of God. And like I said in the in the title of the message, put it on and leave it on. Put on the full armor of God. There's a reason why he wants you to put on the full armor of God. See, I've got rent houses. And if anybody wants to buy a few, I'd be happy to sell you some, okay? Seriously, I would I'd sell them to you. <laughs> but in these older houses, they have cracks in the windows and and cracks around the windows and and there's cracks in the door and and you know where the where the cold air just gets in I mean you, you know that and the cold air just kind of seeps in through there and and uh, makes the house cold and you know we've had to go back and 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 caulk all the windows and caulk the doors just to keep just to keep the cold air out okay you understand that And I'm here to tell you the Christian life and the full armor of God is just like that, okay? The armor of God, when we put the full armor of God on, will fill the gaps of your life because Satan will be looking for some place to get a foothold in your life. If he can find an area in your life that, that is not given to the Lord, that you are sinning and you know about it, then he's gonna put his big old big old fat foot in that crack and he's going to come after you and the armor of God will protect you the armor of God fills that gap so he does not have an opportunity Ephesians four twenty seven says do not give the devil an opportunity see he wants to ruin your life he wants to destroy your marriage he wants to delete your testimony and we've got as Christians to be able to combat that we've got to be able to fill the gaps in our lives so Satan has no foothold Amen. in our lives you know the apostle paul i'm I'm sure as he was sitting around writing this i mean he's in jail right now when he's writing this letter to the ephesians okay and he's probably got a guard on one side and there's a guard the door there and probably one outside his prison prison door there and i'm sure he had a lot of time to think about about this and you know he goes you know uh, that guy he he's ready for battle isn't he I mean, he's got it all going on. He is, he is prepared. If something happens, this guy is prepared. And he, he was looking over all this armor that he had on. And I think through the Holy Spirit, it just kind of dawned on Paul. Christian, we're in a spiritual battle. And he said, if, if the Roman soldier has to wear all this to be prepared to go to war, maybe as Christians, we too need to be prepared as we go to spiritual war. And he's writing this through the, through the, through the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is giving this, this to him. And he writes about this armor of God. And that's where I kind of want to go today as is, is we talk about what this armor of God is. And this is for born again believers. So if you look there, uh, beginning in verse, uh, I guess, 14. And, and there it is again, it starts again stand firm, therefore. Verse 11, stand firm. Verse 13, stand firm. He is encouraging Christians, is he not? When life gets hard, when life gets difficult, when you are tempted to go a different direction, when you are sad and when you are depressed, whenever, whenever life seems to be falling on top of you, Paul says three times to do what? Stand firm. Stand firm. Stand firm. Don't give up your faith. Don't give up who you are as a born-again believer. Stand firm stand firm that's what he's trying to tell us so the first thing he says is the first piece of armor that we are to put on he says having girded your loins with truth or I guess another way you could say that put on the belt of truth put on the belt of truth see the, these Roman soldiers they wore this big old wide belt that they'd put around his waist and it would carry his sword and carry other, a knife and carry other weapons that he would needed, needed in battle and that's how he carried it through on his waist there for the Christian, truth is not what you make it. Truth is not what you think it is. Truth is not what Oprah Winfrey tells you. That truth is whatever you want to believe whenever you want to believe it. You make up your own truth. That's not truth. The truth that he's talking about here, this belt of, of truth that we put on, is Jesus Christ. John fourteen, six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If we are going to put on the armor of God, we put on truth. We put on Jesus in our life. We accept him as Lord and Savior of our life. If you want to battle the enemy spiritually, you must be born again. You must put on the truth, and the truth is Jesus Christ. The truth also is God's Word. When we read God's Word, this is nothing but truth. Did you know that? This is as good as gold. He will stand by every promise. He will do what He says He will do. He will never forget a promise. He will follow through with everything that He he has said. In John 17, 17, I can prove it to you. It says, sanctify them in the truth. Your Word or God's Word, or the Bible, is truth, okay? We're putting on the belt of truth by accepting Christ as Lord and Savior, by studying His Word, and then we live a life of truth. We live our life out as being truthful. We, in all of our situations, all of our dealings, and everywhere we go, we speak Truth. We don't make up lies. We don't make deceptions. We don't shortchange the truth. We live a life of truth. We live a life of, of, that is pleasing to the Lord. Ephesians 4.25 says it this way. Laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. You see, in order to stand firm, the first thing we've got to do is that we've got to be obedient followers of our Lord Savior, Jesus Christ. We've got to be able to stand on His promises. And once we have been born again, and once we are standing on His promises and being obedient to His promises, then that will flesh out from us. And we will live a life of truthfulness among the people that we come in contact with. In order to stand firm, first of all, we must have the belt of truth and that is Jesus Christ in our lives. The second uh, piece of armor that Paul will write about in these verses, he says, uh, put on the breastplate of righteousness. For the soldier, they, they they wore this big breastplate from their neck all the way down to their thighs, and it was designed to protect their, protect their organs, if you would, okay? And they would have this big old breastplate, and it would... Really do a lot of good protecting for them. For the, Christian, for the Christian, the breastplate of righteousness is when Jesus was on the cross. And Jesus died for our sins. The Bible tells us He did what? He took our sin and paid the price for our sin in exchange for what? His Righteousness. We are righteous before God. We are right before God because that's what Christ did. He took our sin and gave us his righteousness. That's that's a pretty good trade for us, not so good for him. But we are righteous if we have been born again. And the Bible also tells us to pursue righteousness. Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. For they shall be filled. We are to pursue a righteous life. A righteous life means we pursue a life of obedience. We pursue a life that runs away from sin. Let me say that again. We pursue a life that runs away from sin. Okay. And when we sin, when we are convicted of sin, when we know that we have fallen short of God's glory, what do we do? First John 1 John 1.9, we confess our sin and He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, why, I, why would I want you to know that? Why would, I, why would I say that twice? Why would I want to emphasize that twice? Because you see, the one thing that will harden your heart the one thing that will pull you away from your faith, the one thing that will direct you away from God and towards your own self is a hardened heart. Did you know that? A hardened heart for the things of God. And if we're not in the business of understanding what confession is and confessing those sins, it, might, it doesn't affect our relationship of Him. It affects our fellowship it affects our, the way we walk. But we've got to be a people of understanding that we have, we have fallen short sometimes. And we confess that. And the Bible says when you do that, what happens to you? He said, I'll forgive you and cleanse you and, and you move on from there. See, that is, see, that's the breastplate of righteousness. You see, that confession of sin and that pursuit of, of godly things in your life and persevering in the faith, what is that going to do? That is protecting your heart. So that as born-again Christians, you will have a soft heart. Not a hardened heart. You'll have a soft heart for the things of the Lord. But I can promise you this. You don't want to come to church. You don't want to read your word. You don't want to spend time praying. You don't want to spend time around godly people. I can promise you, your heart will become hardened to the things of God. Christian men and Christian Christian friends, man, we've got to put on this breastplate of righteousness. We already are righteous. We need to pursue righteousness so that our heart can be protected for the things of God. Here at spiritual warfare, put on the breastplate of righteousness and pursue, pursue godly things in your life so that your heart does not become hardened. The third, the third part of armor that we see there begins in verse 15. It says, uh, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. For the soldiers, the Roman soldiers, what they would do with their sandals and their boots or whatever they were wearing, they would put spikes in those things. So when they were at, at war, those spikes would be hold them to the ground. So they had, they had balance, they had stability. Because they knew if they ever fell down in the battlefield, they were dead. So they would put these spikes so that they would be balanced, they'd be stable, they could, they could withstand a blow, and they could keep on keeping on. For the Christian, it means a readiness to live the Christian life, the first thing it means we are ready to live the Christian it means we are ready to be obedient. We are ready to tell somebody else about the gospel. We are, we are ready. We are prepared whenever the opportunity comes by to tell somebody that God loves them and that Jesus died for them. It is a readiness. And, 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 and I forgot to tell you that, but that's what a soldier would do. When he had his boots on, he was ready to go. He was ready for war. You and I must be ready at any time to be able to, to tell somebody of the good news. Of The gospel, the second thing I think it tells us that it helps us to stand firm on His promises, on God's promises. When we hear a, a promise from God and we have those shoes on, those boots that have those spikes on, and we, when we stand on those promises and we believe those promises, the Bible tells us when we can do that, we can have peace in our life. When, when, when the Bible tells us in Joshua that I will never fail you or forsake you, We stand on that promise. When in Philippians it says, be anxious for nothing. We put our spikes into God's word and that causes us to be balanced and stable. When he tells us to cast our cares upon him, we stand on that promise. You see, we've got those spikes in the promises of God's word. And we are balanced because we are living that way. When he he says, I will supply all your needs according to my riches and glory. I stand on that and I believe that. And I trust that. And I want to be obedient to that. When he says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. See, as, as a believer, your enemy will come and tell you, you're a loser. You're not saved. Who are you? But if you know what God's Word says and you believe it and you're standing on that promise when He says, when He says, you're nothing, you're not even a believer. And you go back to Romans 8, 1. It says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. See, that's standing on the promise. I mean, that's when He, when he tries to take away your joy and give you guilt. All you got to do is say, there's no condemnation here because my Bible says that. And I'm standing with spikes in God's Word. I'm not going to move from that when he says you know you're tempted and i want to tempt you to take you away from what you believe first corinthians says what don't do that i've got a back door i've got to escape when temptation comes to you i'm going to stand on that promise you see when when my shoes are sawed with the with the spikes of the lord and the spikes of the gospel and i stand on those promises the bible says i can have peace in this old world I don't have to be like everybody else in this world that worries, worries, worries because I have have dug my spikes into the gospel of Jesus Christ. Don't have to do it. Put on that armor if you want to stand firm. Put on that armor. Put those spikes on and get after it. Live your life. The next one he says here uh, in verse 16. He says, take up the shield of faith. Which will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. For the soldier, he had a big shield that he used that almost covered his, his whole body, if you would. And, and when he would go to war, and, and if they were warring against, against a big fortified city, uh, they would shoot arrows down from the walls of the city. And all he had to do was put that shield up, and none of them ever got to him because he had this big shield. For the Christian, what does that mean? For the Christian, when the enemy begins to shoot his fiery darts at you and I, when he begins to shoot the dart of doubt in your mind, the temptation, uh, selfishness, greed, lust, immorality—you just you just name it—he's going to shoot that arrow at you. As believers, we have a huge shield that we can put up to protect us from the fiery darts. And what is that shield? It is the shield of faith. The shield of faith. You see, when, when, when he shoots that arrow of doubt in your mind that you're, maybe you're really not been born again, our faith says, yeah, we are. Yes, I have been saved. You see, you see enemy said to, in Ephesians 1, it tells me that I've been chosen. I've been forgiven. I have been redeemed. I have been adopted. You see, enemy I don't have to doubt because I stand on God's word. I know God's word. And when you shoot that arrow at me, my face says, no, I'm not. I know who I am in Christ Jesus. When he, when he shoots that arrow of temptation, I know for a fact that God's way is better than his way because my faith tells me that. I'm living the faith and it tells me that and I want to do that. When he shoots that arrow of selfishness, and greed and pride and immorality, I know where the arrow comes from because my faith says that is not right for a believer. That is sin for a believer. And my faith tells me that. And that arrow comes and I put that shield up of faith and it doesn't get to me. Because I'm standing in faith. And I know who I believed. And I know who I've given my life to. And I can stand firm because of that. I've taken the shield of faith. an enemy, you can't get to me because I've got this shield. 1 John 5.4 says it this way. Everyone born of God overcomes the world. That's Christians. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith. What a great shield of faith we have when the enemy shoots fiery darts at us trying to take us out from what we know is correct. The next aspect, real quickly, is a helmet of salvation. Verse 17, the helmet of salvation for the, for the soldier protected his head, knowing that with his head protected, he would be able to think clearly and do what he needed to do. For the Christian, the helmet of salvation says it protects our mind, protects the way we think, and if it protects the way we think, it's going to protect the way we act and it's going to protect what we say. The helmet of salvation. You see, for the unbeliever, the person that has that knows nothing about Christian things, you see, he has no protection from the enemy. He, he, when the enemy says, you need to go do this and this and this, his mind accepts that because there's no protection over that. When, it, when, when, when the enemy says, immorality is fine... Greed is fine. Pride is fine. You can do what you want Your Selfishness. Go do your own thing. Don't worry about anything that God says. Don't worry about that. And the unsay has no protection. And they take it in. And they just live that way. And you can see it all over this world, can't you? People that go, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, that's okay. Because there's no protection And that, for the Christian, we have that protection. And that protection is what? It is our salvation. Our salvation protects our mind. When the enemy comes and tries to put something in your mind that's not right, you know it's not right. Because you have been saved by Jesus Christ. You know what you know. Our minds are focused on Christ when our minds are focused on running away from sin. When our minds are focused on being more like Christ, that helmet of salvation will protect our mind, will protect our thoughts, protect the way we act, and protect the way we speak. And it's all because he's given us a helmet that says, I want to protect the mind. The last, the last one that we have is the sword of the Spirit. Verse 17, the sword of the Spirit. Roman soldiers would take a big sword and, and they used it for offense to, to stab somebody. They used it for defense to protect themselves. For the Christian, the, the the sword of the Spirit is what? God's Word. It is God's Word. It is His Holy Bible. It is His love letter that He gave to us many years ago. That is the sword of the Spirit. And when we are trusting and believing In God and in what he has said. Okay. We can be offensive when the enemy comes to attacks. We can be defensive when he comes to attack. But we've got to know. (laughs) We've got to know what's in his word. You've got to know what's here. When Jesus was tempted. And he's on his 40 days there. And he's preparing for his ministry. And the devil came to him three times trying to. Trying to break him, trying to tempt him, trying to destroy him. Each time, what did Jesus do? He said, It is written. It is written. It is written. You see, Jesus knew the scriptures, if you would. Well, of course he did. My question is, do you know the scriptures? when He comes after you, do you know the Scriptures? Do you know what's in God's Word? Have you spent time reading it? I don't know. I, I probably say this every Sunday. I'm sure you get tired of me hearing, of saying it, but you got to know what's here. You got to know. And how do you get to know it? You read it, and you study, and you meditate on it. You come here, hear spe- other people speak about it so that you can plant it into your heart so that when... Temptation comes. Struggles come. You know where to go. You go to the scriptures and you quote scripture. Hebrews 4.12 says it this way. For the word of God is, is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. That's God's word. It's not a dead word. It's not a lazy word. <laughs> it's not a dull word. It is living It is active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Psalm 119, 11 says this, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Okay, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The writer is saying, I know what God's word says and I want to know what it says so I can use it as a sword for offense and a sword for defense for the Christian who is serious about their faith the apostle Paul will tell us be strong in the Lord abide in him he will tell us to put on the full armor of God not just part of it Because see if you put on just part of the armor of God if you just put on a couple of these things just like my rent house windows there's going to be gaps and you're giving him an opportunity to come into your life and to destroy it. And then he says, be strong, stand firm, believer. We can stand firm, believer, when life is hard, the enemy attacks, we can stand firm because we are prepared. We are prepared. We have a a belt of truth, and that truth is Jesus. We have a breastplate of righteousness. We are righteous, and we are pursuing righteousness. We have our, our feet with spikes on them, And when the winds of life try to blow us over, they can't do it because we have the gospel within us. We have a shield of faith. We have a helmet of salvation. And we have a sword of the Spirit. Man, I would just urge you and encourage you. I hope that's an encouragement to you. Because I know how how difficult life could be. I know how tough it is. And if you are... really desiring to live a Christian life, okay? you got an enemy that's going to come after you, and you need to be ready. If, if you've been born again and, it, and it, it's not a big deal to you that you're not really just kind of wanting to really be more Christ-like and pursue the things of God, you just, you've kind of just got your insurance there, your fire insurance and everything's good, the enemy's not going to bother you. But you see, he wants to, to, he wants to steal your joy. He wants to kill your, your, your abundant life. And he would like nothing more to destroy your testimony for the Lord. I urge you, fellow Christians, to put on the full armor of God daily. Rhonda, as we begin our time. What a what a great strategy he's given to us okay I mean Paul's saying you're not out there on your own you're just not hanging out there I've got you a plan when the enemy comes after you I'm here to tell you today that that the enemy the devil and his demons cannot do anything to you without God's permission okay He can't do anything to you without God's permission. Did you hear what I said? Whom shall we fear? (laughs) We don't have to fear Him. Because if something is happening in our lives and, and something is coming at us, you already know that God knows about it. And God has given you whatever you need in that hour of need. Satan can't touch you without first asking of God if it's okay. Greater is he that is in me that is in the world. As we bow our heads and close our eyes, I'm just going to ask you to do business with God. I don't know, I don't know how he spoke to you today. Do business with the Lord. That's all I got to say.